Welcome to Light Church. We're so glad you could join us for this weekly message. We hope this message leaves you feeling inspired and equipped to be all that you were made to be. Hey, welcome to Light Church. Welcome to our virtual gathering. However you found us today, whether this is your first time or your millionth time watching us, I'm so glad you decided to tune in. Today we are going to be carrying on our series called Essentials. We're going to be looking at the fundamentals, the core, kind of what are our fundamental beliefs of the Christian faith, the things that you kind of don't want to be finding yourself on the outside of. Last week we looked at who is God and today we're going to be carrying on looking at who is Jesus. So I'm super excited and we're honoured that you would choose to spend your time with us this morning. So uh, I want us to, to jump straight in. I was thinking about this idea as we looked at this series, as we looked at this idea of essentials. And uh, have you ever seen those things where it talks about like what British people do, some things that we often say. And uh, when you read them, you, you feel like, oh, yeah, I don't think I'm like too stereotypical. And then you read this list and you realize, yeah, you're totally stereotypical. It's, it's stuff like, you know, when the sky turns a little bit dark, you look at the window and you say something stupid like storms are brewing. And then you just, it just feels like, oh, I'm stereotypically British. But one of them was, is when you leave someone's house, I mean, this is pre-COVID, obviously. Um, when you leave someone's house, you say bye to everyone, and then you realize you forget your keys. So then you go back into the room with everyone that's like sat in the room, and you, you pick up your keys and you go, not going far without these. And then you just kind of say your awkward byes to everyone feeling like an idiot, and you leave again. Well, this, this message, this series, these are our keys. This is like the things that you won't be going far without. Because so often we can like, like I said last week, we can find the peripherals, we can find what we believe, we can find out every single thing about these like issues, about oh, what did Paul mean when he was talking about this? And in this Bible, what does it mean about this? And we kind of build this huge complex picture of our faith. But so often we look like the, that, those, uh, those people, that, t- that time when you leave a room and you realize, ah, I've forgotten like the essential thing. I've forgotten the stuff that is literally what this whole thing is about. And you gotta kinda awkwardly go back into the room, not going far without these. Today, I hope this message is kind of one of those moments where we as a church can stand together, we as a people, whether this is your first time at Light Church or you call Light Church home, we can all stand together and realize that what we believe about Jesus, we aren't going far without this. So I want us to lean in today. If you find yourself like disagreeing, I want you to do some digging. I want you to take this into your own hands. Your faith and your journey with Jesus is not my responsibility. It's no one else's responsibility. It's your responsibility. So when we talk about this today, I want you to grab hold of it and take that responsibility and say, you know what? I am going to deepen my faith. I'm going to wrestle with this stuff. I'm going to get to a place where I understand where we're going. So... Uh, If that all sounds good, you can't respond anyway, I'll just take it that you said yeah. We're going to look at who is Jesus. And I've kind of framed it in this idea of sort of belief statements. So this isn't a like a formal belief statement of our church or anything like that. This is like, this is traditional Christianity. This isn't like traditionalism, but traditional Christianity. The thing that is kind of like stamped. These are the fundamentals, the core, the non-negotiables of the Christian faith. So let's do it. If you're taking notes this morning, the first sort of belief statement about Jesus is we believe that Jesus is in nature God. We believe that Jesus is in nature God. 
I want to draw a specific attention to this idea of in nature. So it doesn't mean in nature as in, in like the scenery around your house or around the world. In nature as in, in essence. As in, we talked last week about, about the Trinity, about the Godhead. So God is three and one. He's three persons, but one being. So when I say the word nature, what I mean is the being. Jesus is in being God. Okay? In nature. Jesus' nature is God. Let's look at this. Uh, in John 1, uh, chapter 1, verse 1 to 5, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Okay, God's self-definition here. The Word was God. Who is the Word? It's talking about Jesus, and we'll build this picture as we go. Uh, and the Word was God. Verse 2, it says, He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life. And that life was the light of mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. So this idea that uh, Jesus is in nature, God, that means he exists before anything. Okay, He lives outside of time. These are the same attributes that we looked at last week. His nature is God. Okay, Before anything, there was Jesus. Okay, he, Before, after everything exists, there will be Jesus. Why? Because he is in nature. God, we have to understand this. Let's go on. 1 John uh, chapter 5, verse 20 says this, And we are in him who is true by being in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is what? The true God and eternal life. Okay? Eternal life, eternal, this living outside of time is this attribute of God. Jesus is what? He is in nature. God, the substance of Jesus, the essence of Jesus is God. Let's keep going. Revelation chapter 1 verse 8. Jesus' words, he said, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Now this is pointing to that the same, the same attributes of this nature of God. Jesus is God. This is important, okay? Now what, what impact does this have on our lives? Why is this an essential of our faith? It's because so many people can look at Jesus and say he is a historically verifiable man. Okay, there is so much written about Jesus. He is a confirmed living person. That's not really up for grabs. Like whether you believe in, in faith, whether you believe in the Bible or, or God or anything, it's very hard to dispute the existence of a man called Jesus 2,000 years ago. So... People say he was a good teacher, he was a humanitarian, he was uh, someone, he was a political activist. You could put so many different labels on the person of Jesus, but it is important for us to realize when we as a church, as Light Church say, we are Jesus followers, we are not following a good teacher, or we are not, or sorry, just a good teacher. We are not following just someone that disrupted religious order and political order. We are not following someone who just came up with some good ideas and bridged some gaps between races and, and between peoples. We aren't talking to some, uh, we're not talking about following someone who was trendy back in the day and made a little bit of a stir and did some good things for some people. We're actually followers of God because Jesus is in nature. God. That changes things. That means the words that Jesus says, it's not just a good man, it's God. It's not just someone that we should listen to because he has some good ideas, it's the word of God. The words of Jesus are the words of God because Jesus is in nature God. I know I'm repeating this 10 times and we got to get this. Jesus is in nature God. 
Okay, if you're taking notes, let's carry on. We believe that Jesus is in person, the Son of God. We believe that Jesus is in person, the Son of God. Now, we have to understand the dynamics of this. So you got to track with me here. We talked about the Trinity. God is one. Okay, God is not three. Or he is not one. He is three and one. Okay, not three in one, because that would make things complicated and complex, whereas God is simple. Um, if you don't understand that, track back to last week and you'll understand. So we believe that God is three and one. Now, three persons, one being. Okay, three persons, one being. So in nature, in being, Jesus is God. But in person, he is the son of God. Now, we need to understand the balance of this. Now, we're going to read a couple verses and I'm going to dig into this as we go. Hebrews 1.3 says this, The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. Let me read that again. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. And he had provided purification for sins. He sat down at the right hand, uh, the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Now, there was something that kind of rattled around Christian history that kind of argued that Jesus was not fully God, but he was actually like what they would call like a demigod or a half god. Or that's kind of looking at it from God down, but from humanity up, we might say he was an elevated being or he was an angel or he was a kind of this spiritual elevated thing. Now, we need to like debunk this straight away because we what? We believe that Jesus is in nature God and in person, as in his person, is the Son of God. Listen to this. If we carry on that Hebrews verse, chapter 1, verse 4 to 6 said, So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I have become your father. Or again, I will be his father and he will be my son. And again, when God brings his firstborn into the world, he says, let all angels worship him. So again, these are, this is the word of God here. This is not my opinions. This is not someone coming up with a theory. These are using, this is using the word of God, the Bible, the plumb line of our lives in which we get all of our beliefs, all of our understanding, all of our worldview needs to be informed by the Bible. So that's what we're using for this. We believe that Jesus is in person, the son of God. So we need to understand that he is fully God, okay? Jesus is fully God. But then when we're going to dig into this incarnation, when he came to the earth, he is actually not this halfway between. He was embodied the fullness of God. And in Hebrews, it says that he wasn't an angel. He was seated above angels. Let's keep going. Colossians 1, 15 to 16. It says, the son is the image of of the invisible God, the image of the invisible God. This is talking about the revelation of God. So God revealing himself in Jesus. Let's look. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and things on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rules or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. Okay, this is really important for us to understand that when we talk about God being a creator, now Jesus is in nature God and in person he is the son of God, we have to understand this dynamic. There is in nature an equality. 
okay? But in persons, there is a sort of parental relationship between God the Father and God the Son. But we need to understand that Jesus was not created, okay? This might sound like a side point, but this is fundamental. This is an essential of the Christian faith. Jesus was not created because if Jesus was created, he would be less than God. He would be less than God. Jesus was, to use an old word, was begotten. Now, what this word essentially means is that it does not mean made in. It means sort of exists within and comes from. Now, in in essence, in substance, in being, they're all God. Okay, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They aren't parts of God. They are all God, three and one. Okay, one being three persons. So the, the, but the person, the son of God, the person of Jesus has this parental relationship to God the Father. And if we were to argue that Jesus was created, then he would be a creature which would be lower than God, which would throw everything into this really strange place because then we couldn't believe that he's actually God. Which means that when we're reading his words and when we're reading the things that Jesus said and we read about his life and we orientate ourselves around him and say we want to be followers of Jesus, we have to understand that to say that God says you shall have no other gods before me, he makes a big point. You cannot worship anything other than the one God. So to say that Jesus was created would be to relegate him from being God. So we need to understand that Jesus, as the Son of God, existed in and from the being of God. But there is a parental relationship between, the, between God the Father and God the Son. We don't have time for me to dig into the intricacies and the, kind of the, the nuances of this. I want you to take this on yourself and do some reading, but that is really important for us to understand. When we hear the word, uh, when we hear the word begotten, okay, it doesn't mean created. That, that Jesus is the son like humans would create or um, like make a child. It's not in that same way. It's like the substance, the essence is God. But there is a parental relationship between God the Father and God the Son. So we're going to push on. We believe that God is in nature, that Jesus is in nature, God. We believe that Jesus is in person, uh, the Son of God. And then we believe that Jesus is the physical representation or the physical revelation of God. So John 1.14, it says, and the word. So talking about in the beginning was the word. Uh, John 1.14 says, and the word became flesh and lived among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. The message Bible says that, that Jesus or the word put on skin and bones and moved in to the neighborhood. That, that God put on skin and bones and moved into the neighborhood. I love this. This is one of the, the, the biggest events, if not the biggest event in human history. It has split the world apart. It changed everything. This is one of the biggest moments in which God came to humanity. We talk about this a lot and we, we talk about different religions being this kind of like all roads lead to heaven type of thing. You know, you hear post-modernism say that type of thing. The difference between Christianity and other religions is that the other religions state these things in which people have to do in order to please their God and or in other words to earn or achieve or attain some form of favor or salvation 
or something. And then maybe, just maybe, they'll be able to, to kind of live life with that God. Whereas in the Christian faith, in this story of uh, God and humanity, God came and, and chased humanity, came and humbled himself, came actually and embraced the very thing in which he created in order to restore relationship. This is amazing. Let's keep going with this. So the, this, this huge moment, and we're obviously coming up to Christmas. This is the, the, the period in which we celebrate what's in theology called the incarnation, where uh, the, another essential truth about Jesus is the virgin birth. Now this, we could go into details, we could, we could pull this apart, but go and look for yourself. We, we don't have time to jump into it this morning. But the reason that, we had to, we, that Jesus had to kind of come through this virgin birth is that so he couldn't be tainted with the original sin of humanity. He had to purify this experience. So the Holy Spirit, so this is the Spirit of God, that, that one of the, the, the Trinity, three and one. So the Holy Spirit had to place this human um, incarnation, this, this representation, this revelation of God within Mary. So this, it can sound mythological and a little bit crazy, but let's journey with this. It had to bypass this physical level, otherwise it would have been tainted by sin, because all humanity is fallen. All humanity is less than it was designed to be in the first place because of sin, because we chose to turn our backs on God. Or because in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve turned their back on God. That all of humanity was lost and fallen and essentially severed their relationship with God. So, so this idea of Jesus being placed within Mary, had to bypass this physical, otherwise it would have been tainted by that original sin. But Jesus had to be sinless. Okay, we're going to dig into this. Just, just I hope you're tracking. Let's look at this. Um, Philippians 2 verse 6. It said, Who, though he was in the form of God, talking about Jesus, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave being born in human likeness and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So we believe that Jesus is the physical revelation of God. The, the fullness of God was bound in this person of Jesus when he stepped into human history, when he put on skin and bones. I love this. There's a, there's a Greek word, kenosis, which just means pouring out. And it's this theology built around the idea that Jesus poured out his divinity. What does this mean? Let's read that Philippians verse again. It said, he did not regard equality with God, Okay, so he was obviously equal as this uh, being of God was equal, but he didn't see that as something to exploit. So Jesus came and stepped into human history and embodied the fullness of God, but he didn't see it as something to exploit people with. Okay, he could have used this power. If there ever was a moment in which someone could use power to serve themselves, it was this moment 
where Jesus had unlimited power. He could have used this to do anything, to kind of do whatever he wanted on earth, yet he did not see it as something to be, to exploit. But what? But he emptied himself. Now, I want us to get this straight. This is not an abandonment of Jesus' divinity. This is a demonstration of Jesus' divinity. Okay? This is not an abandonment of, of Jesus being God. He did not cast off that nature. He actually embraced that nature, which shows us something. If Jesus is the person we're supposed to follow, is the person that we live our lives um, according to, Jesus, the most powerful person, the most powerful thing, emptied himself and served. What does Philippians say? And taking the form of a slave and being born in human likeness. Power is not designed to rule over. It's designed to serve. So when the, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the one who knows you inside out, the one who knows the beginning from the end, who existed before and will exist after, he stepped into human history and emptied himself of the right, okay, and did not exploit humanity, but served humanity. This is groundbreaking. So when we talk about Jesus and when we say we are a church that follows Jesus, well, this is important because he is God. Okay? He is the Son of God sent for humanity on this rescue mission. He is obviously the good teacher. He's, used, he's described in so many different ways, but He came to serve us. It was not an abandonment, it was a demonstration of His power. Now, I, I want us to get something super, super straight. This is, if, if, not, if you don't take anything else out of this, I need you to take this out because this is so important. This is like the essential of the essentials when it comes to Jesus. When Jesus stepped into human history, he was fully God and fully man. Okay, fully God and fully man. Now, when we talk about the idea of God being three and one, so that's three persons, one being, we need to understand when Jesus walked this earth, he was one person, but two natures. So he was one person, Jesus, son of God, but he had a human nature and he had a God nature or a divine nature. Okay, this is super important. Colossians 2.9 says this, For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. Okay, what does this mean? The fullness of God. It was not 50% human, 50% God. It was 100% God, 100% human. Okay, this human embodied, this person embodied the fullness of God and the fullness of humanity. Okay, let's keep going. In uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 22, because this is where it starts to become, al become alive to us, why it really matters that this is, this is truth. Okay, this is the word of God. Listen to what it says. 1 Corinthians 15, 22 says, For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Let's break this down real quick. So it's saying that the, this original sin that we talked about, so in the very beginning of humanity's existence and in relationship with God, humanity chose to do things uh, their own way, our own way. And we sever this connection with God. So essentially, it says, if for as in Adam all die, relating to this idea that all of humanity are fallen because of the, the selfishness and the pride and this sort of rejecting of God from Adam or from the first humans. So then it says, but so in Christ, all will be made alive. 
Okay, this is really important. So Jesus was, uh, let's use some, some words to describe this so we can understand this fully God, fully man. He was the perfect human. Some call him, or the, the Bible, you can build a picture of the second Adam or the last Adam. Or what we like to call the recapitulation of humanity. It's this idea of, it's like when something's done again, but done right. So Jesus came to die on a cross, but also, have you ever thought that Jesus could have come when he was 30 years old, done his three years of public ministry, done all the miracles and made the stir, and then died on a cross and saved us and as the story goes? Or have you ever thought that like, well, if God's like infinitely powerful, why did he have to send a baby? And then this baby just like grows up and then after 30 years of human life, then this whole thing unfolds. Like, is that not strange? He could have just saved us. Like, done. It was going to happen. Jesus appeared. This happened. Right? No. Okay? Jesus as a, uh, the person of Jesus, the, this nature, is human nature, experienced every stage of human life. Okay? He purified humanity. It was like this recapitulated idea that Jesus did it again, but he did it right. And he did it right for the last time. There was nothing else needed that needed to be added to what Jesus did because he existed and he did it right for us. See, we are followers of Jesus because he is a revelation of God in human form. He is our benchmark. He is the person that that we want to follow. He is the person that we want to kind of like emulate, that we want to base our lives upon. Everything Jesus did carries this weight because he both did humanity in a perfect sense and he was God. He embodied the fullness of God. Maybe you're feeling like in your own life you can look back and think, well, I've not really done this whole thing right. I've not really, I've not really lived the life I'm supposed to live. In fact, this idea of perfect humanity, I've fallen far short of that. I don't think I could ever... I don't think I could ever match up to, to doing it like that. Following Jesus, being that person, you don't know my story. But we're talking about the essentials of our faith. We're talking about the things that, that really matter, the, the core, the fundamentals. We need to understand this. Listen to this, 2 Corinthians 5.21. It says, God made him who had no sin, referring to Jesus. Because so Jesus was fully sinless. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. That we might become the righteousness of God. So, if you're feeling a little bit like, I can never match up to that, I've done so many things wrong, I've fallen short in so many ways, this perfect, sinless person that came down out of love for me, came and He took all of your sin. All the ways that you turn your back on God, all of your brokenness, all of your hurt, all of your pain, your guilt, your shame. He took it upon himself. And as he was fully God and fully man, he restored the relationship between God and humanity. So that in him, in relationship with Jesus, okay, not in relationship with the, the Bible or the words of God or the miracles of God or these other things or the peripheral, but in relationship with the living God, with Jesus, in Him we can be seen as righteous. What does that mean? It just means the state of being whole again, the state of being right. Right with who? Right with God. 
this mended, restored relationship with God. And what? Right in ourselves. So maybe you're listening this morning and thinking, I'm not following, I don't understand it. This just sounds so complicated. If there's anything I want you to take away from this today, is that God loves you so much that he sent himself in the person of Jesus, who we've learned is fully God, who came as a full human, who died a horrific death, who lived this life, died a horrific death, and then three days later rose again and is now seated in heaven like we read in Colossians earlier, ruling over all the rulers and and powers and authorities, even the angels worship him. He's seated at the right hand of God the Father as this three and one, this, this being of God knows you and loves you more than anything. And in him, you can be made whole with God and made whole in yourself. Maybe you've never made that step in your life. Maybe you've never ever taken that that journey to to kind of cross that line and say, I want to know this God who loves me. I want to know this Jesus who came down and lived this life for me so that I could be restored, so I could be who I was made to be. If you've never made that step today, all you have to do is take your life, all of your shortcomings, all of the things, the places you fall short, all of your brokenness, your pain, your guilt, but then all of your dreams and your future and everything that you are, you take to Jesus and lay it at his feet and say, Jesus, I give you my life. I give you my life. I give you everything I have. Can you come and take it and do something with it? Today will be a day that changes your life forever. You will experience a relationship with the living God, the creator, the one who has, who has walked your life every single day with you, whether you will recognize him or not. He loves you more than anything and he wants you to know him. If that's you today, pray that simple prayer. Jesus, I give you my life. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your presence today. I thank you that we are not sat here dreaming some stuff up or reading some things and creating theories or ideas, but we're reading your words, your self-definition of who you are. God, I thank you that you sent your son, Jesus, to live on this earth to step into human history and to do it right for our sakes so that we could find a way back to you. God, I thank you that in you we become the truest sense of us that you created us to be. God, I pray for all those people that crossed that line today that said, Jesus, I give you my life. God, would you flood their life right now with your peace and with your presence. We love you. We thank you for all you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you um, prayed that prayer, we would love to celebrate with you. We would love to journey with you. So if you would get in touch, uh, we want to give you some next steps, help you on your journey. And uh, I want to encourage you, this could be a day that changes your life forever. And uh, we hope you are staying safe. And obviously the, the country is in a, a lockdown. So keep an eye, on, uh, keep an eye out for uh, different ways in which we can help and support and serve you um, as people over this time. And I encourage you, get plugged into life groups. They are important. They're as important now as they've ever been. Like we need connection. We can't do this on our own. And if you've been enjoying this series, uh, I want you to, if you missed last week, catch up on last week. Uh, Next week, we're going to be looking at salvation. We're going to be looking at eternity. What do these things mean? Uh, So you don't want to be missing it. I encourage you, share with some friends, some people who really need to dig into what is this all about. And uh, together we'll grow and become more like Jesus and step into that future that he has for us. So we love you 
And uh, we're really honored and we want to thank you for joining us today. See you next week. You've been listening to a weekly message from Light Church. If you would like any more information, you can find us online or on social media. Thanks for listening.